Why X Matters is recorded live in the CJMU studios in downtown Winnipeg on Treaty 1 territory, the original lands of the Anishinaabe, Cree, Oji Cree, Dakota, and Dene peoples, and the homeland of the Red River Métis. Welcome to Why X Matters, where we talk to a panel of industry-leading experts about why trust in institutions, sense of belonging, and civic engagement, civic engagement have all been on the decline. In this four-part podcast series, we will unpack the Winnipeg Foundation's 2022 Vital Signs Report and hopefully spark some conversations about how we can work together to restore trust, heal divides, and inspire change. My name, my name is Nolan Bicknell. I'm your host and moderator today, and I am here with three wonderful guests. First up, Ashley Smith, Director of Advocacy at the Rainbow Resource Centre. Ashley has been working with the 2S LGBTQ community in various ways since 2020, specifically in areas related to public health and older adults. He started at Rainbow in 2021, running their older adult program. And then last spring, at, as Rainbow broke ground on their new location at 545 Broadway, which will include Canada's first affordable housing for 2S LGBTQ plus old, uh, older adults, Ashley stepped into the role of Director of Advocacy. Now he oversees the education and communications teams, just as we're seeing a surge of anti-queer and anti-trans rhetoric all across Canada. Ashley, thank you for joining us on the show today. Hi, thanks. I wrote that intro by myself thank you it's a great intro and very very robust yes and, you know yeah, yet thanks. succinct it's very nice second up i would like to welcome shereen Donetto, uh executive director of ercom which is the immigrant and refugee community organization of manitoba an inner city agency in winnipeg that has provided affordable transitional housing and holistic wraparound supports to newcomers in canada for the last 20, 32 years drawing from the principles of human rights community development and truth and reconciliation, Shireen works with the team at Aircom to provide best practices, trauma-informed services for newcomer refugee families and to reduce barriers so our newest Canadians can integrate well and find belonging in their new home. Welcome, Shireen. Thank you, so happy to be here. Great to see you again and very excited for the conversation. And last but not least, mm. our final panelist, Michael Redhead Champagne, a community leader from Winnipeg's North End with family roots in the Shamatawa First Nation working towards a revolution that dismantles harmful systems and builds up new ones based on justice, equity, and love. Michael is a host, a helper, a published author, an on-screen personality, and a highly sought-after public speaker. Welcome, Michael. Thank you so much for having me today. Thank you for being on the show. Welcome to everyone, and thank you for being here. We're talking about belonging. Um, it's basically, we're, we're boiling, boiling it down to an individual's social and environmental connections, how they stay connected to their communities, how they stick, stay connected to one, uh, one another. In the Winnipeg Vital Signs 2022 Key Finding Report, Winnipeggers overall experienced a slightly higher sense of belonging than the national average in 2018. The pandemic happened, and that plummeted to 61% of Winnipeggers say they feel a high sense of belonging. The first question is just looking at industry landscapes right now in the last, you know, three to five years or so. Sense of belonging has been affected, obviously, by the pandemic, which has been exacerbated, which has exacerbated existing issues that were already sort of in the world. Um, Ashley, starting with you, how has, how have you seen evidence of the sense of belonging going down since the, since the pandemic? And how has it played out specifically in your field of expertise? Sure. Uh, so um, while right now I represent sort of the 2SLGBTQ plus community as a whole, even though that's a, quite a mouthful to say, um, I during that time, like during the early part of this story, so around the pandemic, I was mostly involved with the older adults. 
And um, yep, there was definitely some isolation there. And two SLGBTQ plus older adults are actually already at an increased likelihood of isolation as they may have come from difficult family situations or they are more likely to not have children. They're more likely to live alone due to um, uh, lots of uh, health issues, um, statistically speaking. Um, but actually, during the pandemic, Rainbow Resource Center pivoted and we created a lot of virtual content and specifically our older adult program over the rainbow. Um, the virtual content exploded and in popularity as well. And so that sense of community really grew for the first time among a generation of people who fought for the rights that we have today. And they refound each other. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that sense of community is still around today. Um, so the, the evidence of it, um, sorry, that, that's yeah. all I got right there. No, that's a hundred percent. I, I've, I've spoken with a lot of people who have talked about technology, being able to bridge those gaps a little bit. Obviously there's still a lot of people who don't have access to technology or the education on how to, to, to right. work it, especially when you're dealing with older populations. But yeah, I, I, I was very heartened to see some of that work being done and like using technology to actually bring people together. Exactly. Um, so Shireen, same question from your perspective for the last three to five years or so, how has um, sense of belonging changed and how has it impacted the community at, at IRCOM and, and your work? Sure, sure, thanks. Um, what I would say is, you know, just to start by saying that a sense of belonging is fundamental to, to newcomers to this country, you know, that is, um, you know, there are many pieces of the puzzle. There's economic prospects and, and getting jobs and having a safe home and all of those things are really important. And central to it, though, is, is really about feeling like you belong, that you can say this is, this is home or I've found home again, right? Um, so, uh, you know, that, that your accent is not going to be laughed at that your kids are gonna have the same opportunities as their peers, right? That uh, your training and your credentials, you know, we've had a few conversations mm-hmm. about that, your training and credentials are going to be uh, assessed appropriately, you know? And um, that it won't take years and years to become a citizen. So I work with refugees. They're so happy to be here in Canada. They feel the welcome. And you know, our policies around receiving refugees are, it's an amazing thing that we do. Um, it's based in human rights, but you know, when you get here, there are a lot of struggles and it costs $630 to apply for citizenship, an additional $100 for every child in the family. You know, there are probably innumerable barriers that families face, and I think together we can turn some of those things around. Um, People need to feel that you belong, you can contribute, that you're important. Um, And I would say in the past, few years, definitely a pandemic, you know, there was disproportionate impacts on racialized communities, on Mm -hmm. indigenous communities, on any marginalized group, frankly, seniors, 100%, right? Mm -hmm. So I think um, you, you feel that and you feel, I see in our communities, the dispossession, alienation, um, feeling like you don't count or you weren't prioritized, right? and you know you do start to see it in the statistics we have rates of well, all sorts of things you know poverty levels are are worse hate crimes are on the increase right and hate crimes might seem like a an extreme indicator but it's an indicator nonetheless mm-hmm. and it's increasing across all groups and um uh, yeah I, I can see that you know we've got a lot to tackle but we are doing a pretty 
pretty good job yeah. collectively. So yeah, mm -hmm. absolutely. And one person that is doing a good job of tackling those issues is Mr. Michael Redhead Champagne. Um, yeah, just maybe reflecting a little bit on what 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 we've we've just heard, but also what have you seen in the last you know three, four, five years when it comes to sense of belonging in your community and the broader uh, Winnipeg, Manitoba community. Well, when I think about community, I can't help but look at it from the lens of my personal perspective. So somebody who lives in the North End, somebody who is a product of the child welfare system, and somebody that has roots in northern Manitoba. And so from all of those lenses, I see, unfortunately, a decline in all, in all. There are less spaces for people like me and people with my lived experience. There are less spaces for us to exist, period. I'm not even talking about housing. I'm not talking about programming. I'm not talking about Zoom. I'm not talking about sense of belonging. I'm talking about living a life. Existing. And Indigenous people have experienced a loss of space in Winnipeg especially. We have lost in recent years the Friendship Center. Uh, the Thunderbird House is experiencing its own difficulties. Nietzsche Commons, which used to be on Main Street, is um, no longer Nietzsche Commons. Uh, buildings on Main Street burning down. Um, we are in a in a time right now where the space to be indigenous in Winnipeg is decreasing. Mm -hmm. And I think that that is an absolutely abysmal trend that we are currently experiencing. And I think that that doesn't even touch, that doesn't even begin to touch on the realities that folks are experiencing when they are um, experiencing multiple of these realities, when they're in poverty, right. when they are struggling with homelessness, when they are not food secure, when they are experiencing battles with child welfare. Yeah. So I think about the families that I work with and the lack of spaces that they've had and the, the decreasing amount of supports that they're able to experience. And it just makes me you know, really grateful for places like the Rainbow Resource Center and for IRCOM because I feel like there's medicine mm -hmm. in both of their examples. I think that what, um, what's happening in both of those spaces, uh, I look at that as an indigenous community leader and I say, all right, how can I roll up my sleeves and create similar senses of belonging that are meaningful to indigenous people here in Winnipeg, especially those that are coming through multiple systems that made them feel like folks don't care about them, whether that's you know, homelessness-facing organizations or child welfare. So um, I'm happy to be here, but I'm here also to raise the alarm that things are not feeling real good when you're indigenous in Winnipeg today. Yes, uh, very well said. Um, Shireen, the last time we spoke, we kind of talked about a lot of the indigenous ways of knowing can help inform some immigrant families of, you know, improving in that sense of belonging. So at, through your work at IRCOM, how are one question is, how are you um, applying some of those indigenous ways of knowing and helping educate uh, newcomers in, in those ways of knowing? And just g generally, what are some trends that you're seeing uh, in your work when it comes to sense of belonging? And how are you working towards trying to improve that for, for your for clientele? Is that the right word to use? Clientele? Our community. community. Our community, okay. sure. So what, what, are, what are you seeing? What are you doing? Right. So uh, I, I want to thank Michael and at that time the whole crew at AYO, Aboriginal Youth Opportunities, because you can't do um, bridge building activities without that warm welcome and direction and guidance from, from Indigenous partners. So um, they've been side by side with us along many parts of our journey and uh, it's, it's, it's been something that has fostered growth and and, and tying to our theme today, a strong sense of welcome for 
our families who are newly arrived who have left desperate, difficult situations. Um, um, you know, one of our, I was just talking to one of our um, tenants and she said, she's thinking about back home and she said, all that's left behind me is a line of graves um, and that Canada is my home and I'm thankful and I'm grateful to Canada. So um, all of our, we just feel really privileged that we've been able to connect that we've been able to help our newcomer families who have zero access to good information, zero access to education on indigenous worldviews, on indigenous cultures and strengths, that vibrant community all around us. Um, so, so having even a small part to play in that has been wonderful. And just to give you a concrete example, last uh, two, two summers now, we've managed to take 200 newcomer families on four city buses to uh, the Manitowabi powwow. And, um, life-changing you know it's like Powerful. wow the drums the drums feel like I close my eyes and I'm back home you know mm -hmm. and people see the humanity in each other and the cultural resonances and I I know families take that with them for their whole journey in Canada moving forward Ashley what feedback are you getting from from your community when it comes to sense of belonging what what are some of the fears we talked uh, a little bit before we started recording about that so maybe just what what feedback are you getting from from your people uh, sure. So we just recently did a campaign called uh, Get Amplified campaign where we uh, reached out to community to hear their voice and then take those uh, those concerns to the parties that are running in this election mm -hmm. um, and then have them respond to it. So I'm, I'm in a good position to say what are people saying. And quite frankly, just uh, as my friend here was saying, it is time to raise the alarm about the loss the the threat of the loss of 2s lgbtq plus rights in manitoba the generation that fought for the rights that we have today are watching as special interest groups are succeeding and causing chaos and working to derail the rights that we have and this sense of community that, that we're talking about is feeling threatened and is is fragile and needs vigilance and needs uh, commu the community that feels threatened to stand up, but also all Manitobans to stand up and say, what's happening isn't right. And, um, and, and also speak to the power to say that they will stand with us and create legislation that stands with us, as opposed to just empty words. Um, and uh, yeah, so what am I hearing from community? I'm hearing that in rural Manitoba, they are deeply concerned about increased isolation out there, that the, the rising anti-queer rhetoric is putting them at risk of violence and, um, and discrimination and, and hate-motivated crimes. And but then here in Winnipeg, that kind of that kind of um, environment, um, as the words, uh, exacerbates um, already existing situations mm -hmm. like 2SLGBTQ plus representation in the homeless community, um, access to safe health care, such as free from discrimination in health care, or even health care that is um, adequate for or <laughs> adequate is the bare minimum mm -hmm. for the trans community. And also long-term care programming where uh, 2SLGBTQ plus uh, people can go into long-term care and not just be tolerated, but are celebrated. And um, I mean, those are just a couple of the issues that people are speaking to. Yeah. Can I just say that I just want to react to what both of you just said, and it was absolutely beautiful and moving for me to hear um, what both of you are, are working on. Um, but it really brought to me the, a, a term, the summer I've been learning my Swampy Cree language, Inanu, and there's a word, Wakotuin, and it means kinship. Mm -hmm. And as I was listening to the both of you speak, 
it was reminding me so much about how related we all are in the challenges that we're experiencing and also in the good things that we have in our community, right? Everybody wants to be connected to the heartbeat. Everybody needs to know that they got a pulse. <laughs> and so I just think that um, my hope as we move into this election and, and beyond is that we can do some of that bridge building between the two SLGBTQ community, um, between our relatives, the newcomer community, and between indigenous folks. Um, because I know that when it comes to poverty, Poverty don't discriminate. <laughs> yes. Although, wait, actually, poverty does discriminate a little bit. I, I don't think I can exactly <laughs> say that. Poverty does unfortunately, disproportionately affect these particular communities that are represented in the room here uh, more than they should. Um, but that's why so much of the work that I'm, I'm doing today, I talk about revolution and how mm. we're going to break these systems down, get rid of the ones that are hurting us, and build up new systems that are based on love and equity. Like imagine such a thing where those who haven't had their voices amplified in the past can have them amplified mm -hmm. today so as to retroactively correct some of that intergenerational imbalances that have happened. Well said. You've been doing this for a long time. You got, you got, I mean, you're a baby face, young looking man, but you've been doing this for a long time. Uh, so I'm curious, even just within the last few years, pandemic wise, social media wise, all the rise of uh, you know, misinformation and disinformation, have you noticed more of an intense uh, backlash, you know, uh, uh, barrier to the work that we're all trying to do in, in bringing people together? Has it, has it ramped up in the last few years, or is this pretty much par for the course? I feel like we can't really answer that question uh, only because the world is not the same mm -hmm. anymore. And so once upon a time, the world was a circle. <laughs> then there was a pandemic. The world is now like a hanger. You know how like when you try to bend a hanger into a circle, but it's all like bent into all these weird crunky looking angles and it's not really a circle, but it does connect. That's the world we're in right now. The things that used to be rounded are sharp. Things that used to be square are randomly angular in ways that we can't comprehend or understand, which means the systems that existed before are no longer serving the people that are stuck floundering within the current existing systems that we have today, whether it's somebody from um, the rainbow, the newcomer, or the indigenous community, I think that we really recognize and understand that right now the tools, we're trying to eat soup with a fork. <laughs> can we stop it? What the fork? Yes. Uh, can I just actually Please? add, though, that yes, definitely things are escalating. Um, when I started in this position six months ago, my job description involved promoting the older adult housing that were developed and it was almost like the universe was waiting for me to get a new business card that <laughs> said director of advocacy and then all of a sudden all of these special interest groups that were at one time in Florida and then moving a little bit closer to North Dakota mm -hmm. but then at the door at the border and now are all across Canada right here in Manitoba uh, book bans parental rights uh, I mean, things are definitely escalating. Tonight there's going to be a protest at the Louisville School Division. There's going to be counter-protests. I mean, it feels, maybe it's just that I, uh, I feel um, anxious. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it definitely feels like things are escalating. <laughs> yeah, so Shireen, we talked a lot about systems in our last conversation, and I think that's going to be one of the greatest tasks of our generation is reforming the systems who haven't served people properly 
who have been designed to benefit one group and subjugate another. But that's such a uh, <laughs> gigantic problem. Where do we start when it comes to system reform? Uh, you work with a lot of different interlocking and, and, and systems. So where, where can we start when it comes to trying to upgrade and modernize the systems that haven't been working for a long time and have just been gotten worse over the past few years? Gosh, I feel like I'm the least uh, expert in this, in, in this amazing panel. I'll just say my bit, which is um, I think what Michael was saying, and um, it, like we have to start from the bottom up. Mm. And we really have to re-envision everything. And it's a tall order, but it nothing is working, as, as you said, anymore. And you know, the level of fear is rising in marginalized communities, and it's scary. So I feel like, and I, honestly, I've always said this, the answers are there. Yes. A lot of people, you know, well, what? How do we solve the? Like, what are the answers? It's you know, it's so huge and ephemeral. And no, the answers are there. You speak to anyone who works in community, anyone who talks to their folks, um, give those folks a voice, and the answers are there. And yes. wonderful solutions. And usually, though, they're microfunded, they're project-based, they're you know, temporary, uh, temporary, temporary projects. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, a shout out to the Winnipeg Foundation, which is much more of a trust-based uh, approach to philanthropy, and you know, tries to build more stability for us. But I would say, in general, yeah. uh, you know, it's it's we've got the answers. Um, but at some point, you know, how are people going to have that voice when they're just so overwhelmed with this tsunami of, of oppression, you know? Uh, so that, that's maybe what I would start the, to answer with. Michael, how do, we, um, how do we help people fight the fear? And how do we, how do we, how do we com combat the, the rhetoric and the fear and the hate mongering and all the sort of negative things that that kind of speak to this lizard brain and people, you know, how do, how do we combat that? I feel like education is always the way, but I think the difficulty that we have before us is a lot of the solutions that have been presented exist within reports mm. or exist within calls to actions or calls to justice or recommendations. And this is, this is all information and context that um, the young energetic leaders that are coming up need they need that information, right. but the problem is it's not in a digestible, accessible, understandable, comprehensible uh, presentation. And so if we can get better at knowledge translation for the existing solutions mm. that we already have named, mm -hmm. such as many that are probably identified within the Vital Signs Report 2022, please pick <laughs> that up and read it when you can. Um, the answers are already there. And I think that especially in Winnipeg, when it comes to um, a sense of belonging, I think we have uh, a secret uh, wild card that gives us an advantage that other places don't have. And the secret wild card that we have here in Winnipeg is the large indigenous population mm -hmm. that we have that can demonstrate those teachings like Wukotuin, um, to, to treat our relatives in the newcomer and immigrant community as our relatives, to welcome our two SLG to SLGBTQQIA relatives <laughs> into the circle um, as family. And if we're able to do that, we can do the same thing um, for people maybe that have a little bit more privilege. And then they get to be in the circle too. And once you're in the circle, guess what? 
you got to keep it a circle. So if over there it's getting messed up and you can help, you got to go help. Which is why, you know, this sense of belonging conversation is so critical. But biased opinion here, I can't help but believe that Indigenous knowledge has the answer. Get the aunties involved. Get the aunties! Somebody get me an auntie! Get the aunties on the phone, they'll be able to help right? us out. In, in, in the community work I do, uh, we founded a nonprofit called Fearless R2W to name to address that fear that you're talking about, families that are afraid to ask for help when they need it. Um, Fearless R2W is moving into a space right now where the families and the young people that we're working with are no longer afraid to ask for help because we're building those relationships in different spaces. Mm -hmm. And so it's because we gave them that information, because we gave them that education, giving people the knowledge that they need in an accessible and understandable way is how we're gonna get out of this because the answers already exist. Yeah, that's kind of the, there's an overarching themes here that, that are kind of universal when it comes to sense of belonging. People just want to be on a team. You know, they want to feel like they have someone that has their back, even one person. And if you can belong to something where one person has your back and believes in you, it, it can change the way people exist. And like, Ashley, how important is it to have that one person to, you know, to, to, to give you support. Sure, well, I would think it, uh, uh, I think the, um, one of your earlier questions was like, what needs to happen to combat the fear? And, mm. and I just wanna say that I think that, uh, yes, education, 100%. Uh, my community is concerned about combating hate, access to safe healthcare and gender affirming care, and just a priori prioritizing resources for the 2SLGBTQ plus community, to as like sexual and gender minority, new Canadians, and uh, queer and trans um, homeless community as well, and the older adults uh, for housing. But it all comes down to the education that leadership, healthcare, educators, all of them receive. And more so now, what I'm seeing is this the rhetoric about parental rights, and it is a, a discourse that's coming right out of the playbook of the far right extremist groups. Mm -hmm. And so it's really important to have the champions of our community speak truth to power mm. because we need people who are not uh, subscribing or prescribing to, um, to the conspiracy theories and misinformation who are actually reading the plethora of reports that already exist um, and, and take that information and tell it to the people that make the decisions because right. we need them on our side. You hear that term ally a lot and it has you know, different connotations in different circles, but I think that's an important thing to remember that just because you don't necessarily belong to one of these specific groups or you, you know, you're, you, you this is still your fight. Mm -hmm. This is not their fight or one group. It's, exactly. it's all of us. Ally is a verb and that means that it requires mm -hmm. continuous learning. It means standing up when you see, see something is wrong. It means speaking out against something you disagree with and, uh, and being a champion for what is, for the good of people and um, and that's what we're fighting. That's what the people in this room are fighting for. Yeah, the last episode, Ian said, paraphrasing, the liberation of your neighbor is the liberation of yourself. And if you can, if you can, you know, a rising tide lifts all boats. So if we're if everyone is doing okay, that means you're going to do better as well. Like, um, well, and I also like to elevate that, right? Because allyship to me is, uh, it's good. It's a good as a goal, but. I don't want allies, I want accomplices. Mm. And an accomplice is someone that has their hands just as much in the mud as I Ride do. Ride or die. And if, and if you know something, something's gonna go down, I want those accomplices to be there with me. Mm. Allyship ends um, when your hands get dirty, but accomplices get, get all up in the muck. 
uh, to help us get, get stuff done. I love it. Shereen, what are your thoughts on accomplices? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> look at that mischievous look. <laughs> yeah, no, smart. You know, uh, yeah, I, I, I totally agree. We, uh, we just had to, um, you know, I wasn't born or brought up to be fearless, um, mm. but I, I'm working on it, right? And I think we all have an individual journey to be more fearless, to be less worried about systems um, and rules. Um, and yeah, and I also believe like vision is really important. So that's how our work grew. That's how Fearless R2W, it's, it's vision, it's the community vision. Um, same with this beautiful housing that's coming up through Rainbow Resource Center. And I think IRCOM came out of a vision from newcomer refugees from Vietnam 32 years ago. So we've, we've built all of these amazing, amazing resources for community. And, you know, we need vision from leadership, from people with money to come together with us, cut through the red tape. And I've actually seen a few recent examples where, and look at COVID, how much red tape did everyone have to cut through? We could just make things happen within. It's possible. Right? Yeah. It's totally possible. And and I, I really feel like we it just ha it can't be the exception. It should be the rule is what I'm thinking. So let's continue to talk about solutions. Um, Ashley, maybe I'll go to you first. What are some things that you that are giving you hope that you're seeing right now, either in your own work or that in work of um, friends, family, coworkers, colleagues? What are some things that are sure. that you're liking the direction we're going in? Sure, um, I think that um, I'm, uh, I mean, generally speaking, there are a few things, but the one that I really want to mention right now is uh, our, our education department works with people who are in DEI trainings. And they may not be there because they chose to be, but because their employer brought them. But mm. they're taking the time to just ask some simple questions that may be uncomfortable, uh, but they're they're actually just normal questions that everybody has. And so it's really important to take yourself out of your comfort zone, do a little bit of learning about some things, learn the truth. Um, be careful where you get your information from because there's a lot of misinformation out there. Uh, that's what Rainbow Resource Center is for. If you have any questions about the 2SLGBTQ plus community, we are your go-to resource. Uh, but um, it's it's just just ask the questions. Uh, just the other day, I was in a conversation with somebody who was in disbelief that Canada would issue a travel advisory to the states. And it's like, this is a cis straight white man. And you're like, well, actually, uh, <laughs> Let's talk about it. Let's unpack it a little bit. And, you know, once we went through it a little bit more and quite in depth and in my quite impassioned way, I think that they saw it from a different perspective. And, and it's just and and I think that's so important. Just ask questions. And people are asking those questions and conversations like this are happening. So, yeah, different perspectives, I think, is key because we are encouraged to block any dissenting opinions. We want to mute anything that disagrees with us. We want to, you know, unfriend someone who thinks differently than us. But those are opportunities to educate and maybe find find a common ground. Uh, Michael, same question. What what what's bringing you hope? What's some of the work that you're seeing on the on the grassroots ground floor of things that are that are moving the needle in the right direction, if anything? <laughs> uh, well, I'm I'm really proud of the uh, great work that's happening with Fearless R2W. We recently, um, in 2019, completed a housing solutions for Indigenous youth aging out of care mm. in Winnipeg roadmap. Mm. Now, this roadmap identified things that Indigenous youth in the system we needed. 
Um, so of those three things that they, uh, of those 15 things I identified, there are three that are really uh, moving forward with uh, Fearless R2W right now. One is called Reside Winnipeg. It's a house for families that are reunifying and a youth aging out of care in the North End. There's also our Wakotuan policy. We are putting it into nonprofit policy, the kinship teachings that we I've been referring to today. So we are actually making it a standard. So hopefully it can be shared with other interested groups or nonprofits as it moves into the future. Amazing. And then finally, um, our community safety host initiative, where we take people that have lived experience in some of these things I've talked about: child welfare, poverty, homelessness, and we provide them a living wage and a good-paying job, and they become trained security guards. But they do it in an indigenous way mm. to create welcoming spaces, to create safety. And so those community safety hosts now exist in the library, the regional health authority, and other spaces. Amazing. And this all comes from the genius and the vision of indigenous young people in child welfare. FearlessR2W.ca is the website. Uh, I want to talk to you about this after yep. we go off there because the foundation is going to be focusing on kids in care, kids aging out of care, and improving the lives of those that are aging out of, out of care. And I think you might have a couple of ideas. For I have a roadmap. <laughs> there you go. Uh, Shireen, same thing to you. We, we're just kind of talking about people with lived experience and how they need to be at the ground floor when we're talking about creating new systems and policies. How important is that? And what are some of the things that you're seeing from like some solutions from families and from, from community that are, that are giving you hope? Again, another big question. They're all big <laughs> questions today. Yeah. I, I feel like a lot of um, what, what, well, we're trying to recreate a community of belonging. That's actually our vision statement, a community of belonging. So, um, I feel like everyone has a part to play in that. And I might pull out an example of our tenant leaders who uh, are just amazing people, brand new to Canada. Um, they volunteer their time and they, uh, they, you know, they engage and they bring so much richness to the table. So, you know, we're a service no matter what, we're a service. Uh, so we, we need them uh, to broker information, to engage folks. and. Um, and bring their concerns to us. It just enriches the work we do every day. So I'd like to have a shout out to folks like our tenant leaders and um, partnerships. I think partnerships mm. is really important because partnerships almost always have just like by their very nature relationship focused. They're all about building relationships and we've been really lucky. You know, you meet people, you work together around a table from different agencies or different ethnocultural groups. Yeah, I, I find like Maybe these are just innate things that we all probably do naturally, but they are fundamental to to change. And uh, we can no one can do this alone. That's for sure. So yes, yeah. smart, intentional partnerships with people from different like with a diverse set of perspectives to to make sure like as many bases as you have can be covered instead of just one perspective. And we make the rules from that one perspective, right? Yeah. Um, so let's just sort of uh, pivot to the final words a little bit. Um, Final thoughts, what would you like our listeners to go away with? What would you like them to um, think about in the next three weeks before this provincial election? What questions would you like them to ask our leaders if given the opportunity, if someone knocks on your door, what question should they ask that person when it comes to a sense of belonging in our city? Uh, maybe, maybe Michael, start with you. Um, I would say that the first thing that you can do if you wanna amplify the concerns of indigenous people in this upcoming election, uh, the very first thing you can do is say, will you search the landfill? Mm. That's the first thing you can say. Um, but uh, if we pertain it uh, 
you know, to sense of belonging and, and maybe more broader of a sense, less crisis oriented, um, I would say, uh, maybe it's not less crisis oriented after all, I would say, what are your plans to support parents that are fighting to bring their children home? Because I know there are many Indigenous parents out there that have their kids in the system and they're fighting as hard as they can and they're being uh, barriered up every step of the way. So if you are in a position, I guess this is my call to action for the listeners, if you are in a position to support a parent that is working to get their children home, whether that's making a phone call for them, whether that's filling out a form for them, whether that's answering questions that they may have, whether that's referring them to a partner uh, that you know will accept them, whether that's getting them recreation for those kids, whether that's positively documenting things that are happening in their life, please do so because we need more backup for the parents that are fighting to bring the children home. Beautifully said, such an important important point. Uh, Ashley, next word to you. What are some final parting thoughts for, uh, for our listeners? Uh, well, I would advise people to be vigilant when they see policies that potentially harm or alienate to SLGBTQ plus kids specifically. Mm. Um, but also remember when we have conversations about potential book bans, um, which have a serious impact on our youth, um, remember that it was only a couple of decades ago people were learning how to be gay from the dictionary because there was literally nothing else out there for people to get their information from. Um, I want people with this election season to ask their candidates, to ask canvassers who come to their door, and to listen for the rhetoric that's coming from the leaders. Where do they stand on issues like combating hate and access to safe health care and gender-affirming care? Where do they stand on the resources that they're going to provide for the homeless community and new community, uh, new Canadian community and Indigenous community? Because all of that directly impacts the 2SL or intersects with the 2SLGBTQ plus community. And you know what? listener if you're out there and you're wondering how to learn more i encourage you to learn more just ask questions open a book check out a website come to rainbow resource center check out our programming um there's so much to learn and it just makes um it takes all the tension out of these issues that we're experiencing right now and uh, we need you on our side ignorance is not an excuse any longer we are in in an era of abundant education and technology and resources and uh, I think what you're saying too it's important to have a conversation in person look someone in the eyes have a con you know arguing about things on social media or online is not a healthy way to uh, educate yourself on some of these hot button we'll call them issues um, so Shereen last word to you same question same sort of idea what are some of your parting thoughts in the uh, for our listeners to leave today's show with. Sure, well, and in light of uh, upcoming elections, and there are a few coming up, um, I think, uh, well, I would just echo what everyone has said. I strongly believe in um, supporting searching the landfill, of course, and we should be expressing solidarity uh, in that. I think there are the usual kind of issues. Like, I think. Yes, we should ask for more social housing as an example, and we should ask for you know um, rent subsidy, all those really important things around housing. But fundamental that, to that is, um, are they willing to see housing as a human right? You know, mm. we've it's 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 a market economy uh, f- vision of housing right now, and um, we're subject to market forces. It has to become reframed into a, a human right, and it sounds complex, but it isn't. It is. It means you shift everything and you're supporting subsidized housing 
and you, you, you understand that every single person living in this land needs safe, affordable, decent housing, right? Um, I think uh, universal basic income, you know, I mean, I think that's pretty cross-cutting and, uh, uh, and a really inclusive recovery, you know. Yeah, there's a lot of focus on immigrants. Um, I think that's important, of course, that's the work I focus on, but I really think we have to have like a, a just recovery when it comes to economic development. And I know your next uh, uh, podcast is on the environment, but there's no way we cannot. I mean, I fear for our children, for our children's children. There's no way we can't integrate that into everything we're doing and all the conversations we're having with politicians. And finally, I would say, I really feel like we have to tackle that right-wing playbook. It's everywhere, and it's not just radicalizing young, isolated males who go off and do horrible things. It's actually, it's so cross-cutting. And it's if mainstream. you are raising any children or teenagers and they have any access to the internet, you, you, you just, it's subtle, although if you were raised in a different age, you can see how obvious it is. To them, it's integrated into their so-called realities of today. And I find myself constantly arguing with my teenagers, <laughs> but it's like, well, having good discussions, yeah. brokering yeah. good discussions, yeah. but, but I think there's a lack of critical thinking and it's just overwhelming. They're getting messages from everywhere. So I would strongly encourage everyone to be talking about that issue when folks come to the door. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Have the conversations, you know, have the, have those hard conversations. I could not agree more. Thank you everyone for being on the show today. Uh, maybe we'll go around the circle one more time and just tell people where they can find out more information. Uh, where would you like them to go? What, what should they Google? Where should they go? Who should they follow? Michael, go ahead. Sure, uh, you can check out my website, michaelredheadchampagne.com or follow me on social media. My handle is at NorthendMC. Uh, the work of Fearless R2W is available online, fearlessr2w.ca. Beautiful, Ashley. Sure, uh, you can find Rainbow at uh, Rainbow Resource Center on uh, Facebook and Instagram at Rainbow Resource Center. And uh, you can find us on the web, of course, rainbowresourcecenter.org. And if you want to talk to me about anything I've said here today, I'm happy to have a conversation. Uh, Ashley S. at rainbowresourcecenter.org. Last word to you, Shireen. Sure, sure. Um, our website, www.ircom, that's I-R-C-O-M dot C-A. And uh, you can sign up for our newsletter. And of course, we're on socials. And you could, you know, Google some version of our name. The full name is Immigrant and Refugee Community Organization of Manitoba, IRCOM. And you'll find us on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and so on. Um, t uh, Twitter as well, or whatever it's called now. Twitter slash X. <clears throat> slash X. And uh, yeah, I think, uh, of course, as you said, anyone who wants to get a hold of me, it's Shireen D, S-A-T-R-E-E-N-D, at ircom.ca. Shereen Donetto, Executive Director of IRCOM, Ashley Smith, Director of Advocacy at the Rainbow Resource Center, and Michael Redhead Champagne, just absolute legend. Thank you for being, thank you for coming on such short notice today. We appreciate you uh, slotting in here and, and really helping to carry this show. You're a legend. Thank you everyone for being on the show and uh, good luck with everything in the future. <laughs>